as a kid, I remember some of my earliest memories are being in the Catholic Church and seeing the religious icons. And there's this like tension, you know, where it's like extreme joy and pleasure and then sorrow and they're like fighting. It's like it's visually convoluted. Like you can't really tell what which one or both. So when I saw Bernini's that it was like banned by the church, like I loved it immediately. I was like, oh, show me more. This is Studio Confessions, the art podcast. I am your host, Luis Martin, the art engineer. Listen in for conversations with artists and culture makers as we talk about their creative practice and what moves them. Let me share my wax poetic monologues and how to activate your creativity to live an inspired and more beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're here. Hey, Jasmine. Hey. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I know you're not alone. Who are you with? <laughs> I'm with my crazy dog, Roxy. You hear her bark or chomping on carrots. Oh. That's me. Be quiet. <laughs> I love her. You have a vegan dog, kind of, not really. So where are you, Jasmine? I am in Houston, Texas. Ah, what's that like? Is it nice and cool? <laughs> um, right now, it's like the surface of the sun. And we're not even to summer, really. You know, like real summer, it gets like unbearable. Yeah. But like good. I like to bake in the sun. <laughs> right? And, yeah. And everywhere you go has AC, so we're all right here. What's the hottest temperature you felt? Um, well, it, it can get in the hundreds, but really what does it is like the humidity with the heat. There's humidity like in Texas? It's, yeah, it's really bad. It, it's, it's just like a swamp almost. Yeah. Like when you go to New Orleans, it's like the air feels thick. It's kind of like that here, but not as intense. Okay. Cause in New York we get, um, humidity. I always fantasize about going to the desert where it's like, you know, 130, but it's dry. So you don't feel it. So it's not like it matters. But, oof, yeah. I didn't realize there was humidity over there. Um, I'm always frizzy, but it's good for your skin. It is. Mm -hmm. I'm 50. Anyway, you're an artist. What yeah. do you do? My God, I saw your stuff on Instagram, and I was like, what's going on here? I love how people can make connections so quickly. Like, over social media, it's really amazing. Um, I'm a multidisciplinary artist, so I do a little painting. Um, some sculpture work, some installation recently with like digital components, um, and a little bit of drawing. Cool. And I've been doing lately, so You've been doing I don't know, I get excited by materials, so I'm just like, yeah, let's try it. You know, that's so funny because that's exactly what I saw when I looked into your work. I thought there's a certain excitement to the material here, like completely, I totally see that. And I never look up people when I interview them. I just want to meet them as I go. But for whatever reason, I had time right before I meet her and I'm like, let me look at her website. And you kind of blew me away because it said something about uh, ritual ornamentation. And I thought, wow, right. Can you tell me a you little know, bit about that? Yeah. So I'm not very, I like, one of my strengths is not writing about my work. You know, when you read sometimes what other people have written, it's like, dang, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> like, to be eloquent, but I think the process, my, like my work is very process based and 
um, there is an element of ritual in that because I use tweezers um, and I apply these really tiny rhinestones um, to the surface. So, I mean, there can be hundreds on like a portrait. I use them as like elements on the face, reflective elements. Um, How did that happen? How did you engage in in such torture? You know, I do really well with repetitive tasks and really meticulous tasks. So it just kind of happened. I like, I had just moved back to Houston um, from the Midwest, Kansas City, Missouri, and I didn't have a job. I didn't know anybody yet. And I just was super productive. Um, And I just started experimenting and, you know, like you just kind of like fall into it or find your way there. So was that a positive move for you or was it something you were going through? Because there's, Um, because there's certain solace in diving into a meditative practice like that. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said, I, I really love like repetitive movements, meticulous work. Like I like knitting a lot yeah. and, um, I don't do it so much here because it's hot and I can't really wear stuff like that, but <laughs> I live in the Midwest, um, I was always doing it, you know, like I like to keep my hands moving. Sorry. My spirit animal here is like walking around. I'm trying to distract her. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really like the repetitive. So like taking the brush and dabbing some glue, taking the rhinestone and applying it with tweezers. So you just, there's a lot of focus and I feel like everything that I'm sort of experiencing around me and thinking like goes directly into a work, you know, um, it's almost like when you're cooking that, like, um, that energy, it just, it becomes woven into the, the, visual aesthetic and the narrative of the work. Where does your mind go? Oh gosh. Well, I'm often thinking about, um, like where is this going? The colors, surface application. Um, I'm listening to a lot of music or podcasts. Like what? Um, well, it depends. Like behind me, I've got some like glittery stuff. I was listening to a lot of disco, like Sylvester. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's great. And then I think I, you can see some of the, like, graphite drawings. I was listening to a lot of, like, punk music, you know? So it became these, like, almost, like, photocopies of, of you know, that sort of aesthetic of, like, yeah. show posters, like, yeah, flyers? Sure. Um, so it really just depends, like, what I'm, what I'm feeling at that point. That's amazing. I was speaking to... Yeah, I was speaking to an artist today about he was a stippler. (laughs) He stipples. And I thought, whoa, talk about meditation, right? Like, talk about needing space and time to kind of just create. Now, another reason I don't like to read people's bios or statements is because I I can go off in tangents. And here I go. You uh, mentioned Bernini and that you were inspired by one of his um, works. And that's one of my favorite um, pieces of artwork in the world is it oh my god yes have you seen it not in person it's who knows now tiny it's tiny and it's like next to an alley by a starbucks like we went to italy and we like went out of our way and we're like no it can't be here it's like in a little shed 
It was like okay. literally not even sent, you know, pride. It wasn't place of pride. It was like adjacent. <laughs> I was like, whoa. So tell me oh about your God. experience. Yeah, it's weird. No, that's amazing. I love it. It's like when people go see the Mona Lisa and it's really tiny, you know? Um, that's really cool. I, I have this connection to religious iconography, iconography from a young age. Um, you have like a religious, weird religious upbringing. Um, as a kid. So I remember some of my earliest memories are being in the Catholic church and seeing the, um, religious icons. And there's this like tension, you know, where it's like, like extreme joy and pleasure and then sorrow. And they're like fighting, you know, it's like, it's visually convoluted. Like you can't really tell what, which one or both, you know? Um, Gee, and, that's so indicative of the Latino diaspora and experience, isn't it? <laughs> Psyche, really. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, the faith that we, like, the weight that those objects and images hold with us. Yeah, like, the religious eyes, like, are always watery, you know, these, like, tears. And, again, it's, like, that sorrow um, and joy. So when I saw Bernini's... Um, that it was like banned by the church. Like I loved it immediately. I was like, ah, oh, show me more. Wait, what part of the Latino diaspora are you from? Um, my parents are from Honduras. So they came here. My mother came here to the States when she was 13. And my father probably in his 18, like when he was 18, 19. Hmm. Are they more Americanized than, uh, Hondureños? Um, so that's pretty young no? Yeah. So my father passed away when I was a baby, so I can answer that. My mother was very into assimilating. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, is like a big part of how I grew up. Uh, like, I don't speak Spanish very well. It's something that I really practice. Um, I was telling you earlier that I speak sort of Spanglish, but I really try, you know, and um, I I, luckily here in Texas, I get a practice every day and speak it and um, I don't know, get better at it. But that's like a lifelong thing, you know? Yeah. But I feel... Um, is there a shame to that in Texas? Like not speaking or is it more normal there to not speak Spanish? Now, I feel like when I was younger, it was something that was other. My mother moved us to this like upper middle class white neighborhood where I was one of the like few brown kids. I think there were like three <laughs> my class at the time, you know, like not many. And now it's just so different. Um, and I think that's just like how you, those experiences from your youth directly impact you when you're older. Right. So, I mean, now I, I remember not, not really feeling connected and sort of being other, like between two worlds, between this like Americanized world and like from my roots, right? Of, and neither quite un fitting or understanding. So it's like, I like Americanized things and Americanized culture, but I'm also like about this life as well, you know? Um, and then neither one being understood by the other, like my mother not understanding why I like, like weird music or wanted to wear like certain clothes, you know? So I don't know. I think now I'm sort of thinking like maybe that's this weird tension that's that 
keeps going, like something that interests me. Absolutely, yeah. That, Just like, like you were talking about the Bernini, the face, right? Just made that connection. There you go. See, you're I, like my therapist. I need to. Like, oh, this is. You're, I'm sending you the bill right after. So relax. But okay. so I'm wondering, in speaking about Bernini and speaking about the Latino heritageness, was your first experience with art um, with religious iconography? For sure, hundred mm. um, percent. Like we respond to images, right, and colors, and colors. For me, it was um, those images from the church of like weeping women, right? Before I knew it was like Mary and Jesus weeping and um, that those images were made to specifically look a certain way. Like, okay, she's supposed to be sorrowful or weeping or young and fragile. And then after that, I think Egyptian um, artwork, you know, like hieroglyphics, those, those two-dimensional images that sort of represent something that's three-dimensional. They're like eyes or um, symbols that, that they imply more, you know, but it's so hard to make something that's so simplified and clean. And I think that's something that really made a big impact on me when I was little. Um, I just always responded to the images and um, like PBS, right? So people <laughs> like my, my childhood heroes, like Jacques Cousteau and Julia Child and Bob Ross. And um, there was a guy here named Commander Mark who was some white dude with a curly mullet who would, like, draw on TV and just made it so cool, you know? How fun. Like, just it's responded to makers. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. I grew up on PBS, too. My my hero yeah. was LeVar Burton. <laughs> yes! Reading Rainbow. And all those horrible, well, not horrible, but very honest documentaries about American life and it made me want to move to Paris as soon as I was 19, but I came to New York instead, uh, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, that's really funny. Um, how did you arrive at your uh, visual language? Um, I think that it's something that's ongoing and it's always kind of changing. So I would say I was really productive in my youth, um, like constantly practicing, drawing, painting, um, and then as I got older, I went to art school and I think art school was just a period of confusion for me mm -hmm. and long after I graduated, it took a long time to get out of that. How so? so I, um, I just felt like it was a very archaic institution, mm -hmm. um, focused on like white straight males, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that just that was my experience. I don't, I don't know how it is for others. It seems like others had really good positive experiences, but I, I just didn't, I didn't. I hated art school. I hated art school. Oh my God. It's just such a waste of time, but I needed that piece of paper for validation. And that's exactly what it was. And ever since then, I've been very careful about where I get my validation from, you know? Yeah. I, I, I try to take away the positive from my experiences, right? And not like dwell or focus. It's like, okay, well, that's how it was. And so what do I take away from that? So for me, it was like, man, I learned so much about like work ethic. And it was a time that I'll probably never have again, like working side by side with my peers, those whose work I really respected, you know, and I learned so much from them. So 
and they're still practicing and they're in New York. Um, most of them. So like, those are the things that really impacted me. But after art school, I really focused on sort of, um, like craft, like Mm. printmaking, knitting, sewing, fibers, weaving, like textiles, a lot of that because I was doing art programming for youth and teens. And so I feel like I was still creative, but in a less like this is a picture that I'm drawing type of thing, you know, more like focusing on process and, um, craft really, which is very like craft based. Did that feel less, uh, less of a value in, in the system that you were taught? I mean, that's a loaded question. Because, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying because I remember I was doing a lot of embroidery when I was in art school and beading. Um, and I was in the painting department. So there was a lot of conversation of like, well, is that art or is that craft? Like it's not, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just a different language or, or similar, but you know, it's, it does have value and I think people are really changing and have since changed. You oh, know, yeah. Jenny no, Hart was an Austin based embroiderer is, I think she's in LA now, but um, someone that I was like, wow, she's really making these giant embroideries. Um, and who is it? Gata Amir who did these like really giant erotic embroideries that they <laughs> almost read like wallpaper. Um, those are things that really influenced me when I was, you know, in my early twenties in art school, like trying to figure out what I was doing. But I think once I moved here to Houston and I just became really productive, um, it allowed me this time and focus to experiment. And so I just started, um, doing these portraits and first they were really simplified. I was thinking of masks. So I started doing these like floral patterns um, and like repetitive tiny little flowers that I would just paint over and over and over again. And they sort of made this, um, like a face and then they became masks. And then I started embellishing the mask. And then I started painting these like eyes behind the mask. And then I started adding colored skin. So when I was saying earlier about our experiences from our youth sort of impacting us and how we see things, well, when I was growing up, I didn't really see like brown Barbies or, you know, even just like in my neighborhood, I was like others. So that became something that was very important to me um, to paint like beautiful brown skin tones, like wide arrays, you know, like browns, tans, blacks. Um, and that's something that really like gives me satisfaction when I'm working, especially the eyes. Um, they've just been progressively getting more red and pink and watery, you know, um, and stylized, I think. So the, the aesthetic of my work and, and the style that I sort of am vibing with at the time, I think it's like, I have a look, you know, I guess like what comes out, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it, but it, it's also kind of evolving. That's amazing. Who do you think is your audience? Who do you think are the people that gravitate towards your work? Other than random podcasters that are like, hey, (laughs) talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, Gosh, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that. I I don't know. Maybe people who like Swarovski. 
kidding. I use a lot of Swarovski. Super, yeah. Um, yeah. um, I don't know. People who like bright colors, lots of patterns, but specifically, I other artists, maybe women, artists of color. I don't know. Yeah, personally, I I think, and I didn't even think about it until I read your ritualistic embellishment and you talking about religion, but there was something very, and I love this word and I use it way too much and it's like a $5 oh. word, but there's something Later. very cathartic about it. Like there's a gaze, you know, and there's a confrontation that's not, you know, it, it, it reads as a female gaze, but it's not at all sexual. At least I didn't read it as sexual or, or maternal, you know, which is what you would expect from a mother gaze. It, there's something very slightly confrontational in a very uh, non-aggressive way, I want to say. I don't know. They can be. Yeah. A lot of times I find that I paint female figures and they're looking to the side, you know, like to the right. Um, and then sometimes they're looking directly at you. But I think that there are different levels of intimacy and eye contact is so intimate. Yeah. You know, sometimes even if you don't know someone and you're just like staring, like it gets uncomfortable. Yeah. Well now it's all about eye contact with these damn masks, right? <laughs> you have to look at each other. I know. Are people wearing masks where you are? Real. <gasps> yes and no, not enough. Oof, We're in Texas and it like, they're coming out with these articles about how it's becoming this like hot spot. Okay. So we're in Texas, right? It's like conservative Republican, um, sorry not to get into like political what are you talk, doing there no we have to <laughs> I know. well it, it's just crazy because they've opened things up I, I feel like too quickly and a lot of people like bars are open at 50% just I don't know it's it's a strange <laughs> time that was is, that your dog choking no that was her barking oh sorry <laughs> I had to like run over and give her the little baby puppy high mark. I keep realizing I'm <laughs> holding a carrot in my hand and just like <laughs> being super animated with my hand with a baby carrot. This is to keep her from barking. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you drink alcohol in the streets there now? Because in New York, it's like Las Vegas all of a sudden. You can literally walk around with a cocktail. I don't think so. I want to be like, it's like to go bars in New Orleans. That's yeah place. it's it's like that right but yeah i don't i don't think we're there yet scarier yeah right i don't but know maybe we're on our way so we're on our way to something i don't know anyway <laughs> um so this disconnect between you being this productive teenager and then going to college and then being kind of reprogrammed in a weird way what trait kept you going and allowed you to arrive at that formalized or more nourished artists that you came out on the other side. Like, how did I just not stop? Yeah, like what? What in With you the struggle? Yeah, because I think Despite right the struggle. Yeah, I think right now a lot of people are like going through the motions because we have to, and we have to find that one thing that'll kind of take us to the other side, right? And, and be able to okay, I'm 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 still making art that excites me that I deem valuable. What trait in you? Was it your audience? Was it your, your, your message, your mission? I don't know. No, I mean, I don't think of... When I'm thinking of myself, it's more raw. It's like there's something inside of me. And I feel like other creatives that, like, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. you, 
it's like an, not an itch, but it's something inside, like a need that needs to be satisfied to, to, you need to fulfill that. Right. So I found other ways of doing it, like knitting or embroidering, you know, um, and not thinking of it as like, I'm making a piece of art. Like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make art. If I put too much pressure on it, you know, like too much thought, it's, it's like, it's not fun or natural, at least for me. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's it, right? Isn't the expectation of having to make art opposed to just much. going on that process yeah. and journey. I think for me, it's the experience of sitting down at my desk or um, even painting on the floor uh, and connecting with the materials. That's the best. Like when you're sitting and you just lose track of time and you're you're just so into the materials and the process. And for me, it's like that satisfaction of paint or mixing paint and laying it down and or laying like a clean edge with a paintbrush. It just gives me this, I don't know, oneness with it, you yeah. know? And that mental state of, of just really in the zone. And it's not always like that. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is shit. What am I doing? And then I just, I take a lot of breaks. I cuddle with my crazy animals or like have yeah. a coffee and then I come back you know and you come back yeah. isn't that the most important part you come back I come back yeah do you need help are you an artist or want to be but can you use a guide a cheerleader and a coach I'm excited to announce that I'm now officially coaching artists let's work together on a project-based result-driven outline to get you into a state of prolific flow because artists like us don't seek validation. We create our own opportunities to shine. Go to prolificflow.com and drop me a line. Now is our time. Let's work together. But I mean, man, right before quarantine, I had so many deadlines, like back to back to back to back, and I was kind of burnt out. And then as quarantine started, like I finished the last one, and I had like a few weeks of just like calm, you know? So it's sort of like recollecting. Um, and then it sort of clears your mind to, okay, I'm ready. So I, you know, I, I have some of the projects that I'm working on now. And so it makes me feel like, okay, I'm like reconnecting. Because this weekend I was painting and I was so productive. It just feels good. It feels really good. That's Maybe that's what, that's what does it. That's what brings me back is that it feels good. When it's good, it feels good. That's, that's so simple. It just feels good. Yeah, I love that. It feels good. Yeah. I love that. Now, again, I don't like reading people's bios because then I'm all like, so tell me. Um, so tell me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your uh, magazine cover. Which one? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> new paint. That's not bad. No, that's new no. painting. Yes, that one. Um, surreal. I'm still like, wow, I can't believe that happened. So tell us. I, I can't. I know nothing about it. I just read it and then I'm like, oh, I can't look at this because then I'm gonna have to like do research, and I hate research. Um, so you tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> well, let's see. I when I was in art school, it was a magazine that I just looked at. Like, wow. There are there are real artists. These, it's like legit, you know. And never in my life did I think 
I would ever be in it. Like it just, it, it was other, you know, more of like, well, that'll never be me, but it didn't even occur to me to think that it could be a possibility um, for that. Sorry, that's the cat that she's barking at. So it, it never occurred to me that that was even a possibility. How did you get right? there? It was when I moved back to Houston and I was super productive. Um, I just started listening to a lot of the Jackson five and painting. And when I found out that I was going to be on the cover, they asked me for an image, a high res image, right? Well, hurricane Harvey was happening here and I was literally trapped in my house. I couldn't leave to go. Um, I go to this computer lab at the photography center here to like scan and use their equipment. And so a friend that was in New York, like helped me, Drew Bolton, he's a, photographer out there he was like helping me do it from afar so I was so grateful that he helped me and he's super talented um but like that's what I think about I think about wow like Hurricane Harvey this natural disaster that impacted everybody here um but it's surreal and And how how did they find you did you submit or did they I submitted so I I found myself with a stack of work and it was just piling up and sitting there. And so I thought, okay, I made a goal for myself. That's a big one. I made a goal to be more ambitious with my work. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to apply to everything. And I had all this time, right? It was still like job hunting and I didn't really know anybody reconnecting with my city. And I just started applying and man, lots and lots and lots of rejection. And you learn over time that it doesn't, it's not a reflection of your work or, you know, like it, it is what it is. Like, don't take it to heart. So I developed a thin skin and just kept like applying. And then I got in and it was just insane. Still, even now I keep saying that, but it is surreal. And I'm really grateful. Um, I think it's been two years now. And how has it impacted your career on a, on a scale, a greater scale? Um, I have had people reach out after having seen my work. But I think for me, the biggest impact was just that it was this validation or like, um, okay, like keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep aspiring or keep, keep wanting more, keep pushing forward, keep making work, you know, like it was, it was, I don't know. I, everything that's popping in my head sounds so cheesy. Like, no, no, no. like well, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. But I think it's important, you know, especially for artists who are on that cusp of like, okay, what do I do? Right. Like, how do I get there? And I think sometimes we imagine, Oh, something like this, you're set. You don't have to work ever again. And it's like, no, you're part of the, It's part of the process. These are the valid, these are like, you know, the little coins in Mario brothers that you collect along the way, you know, there there is no end. There's always more to do and more to to see. Um, But I think, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's not even validation. It's proof, right? It's proof that it's the pudding. It's proof that you have something to say and and that you're, you're aiming and hitting as much. I, you know, I like who is hardest on themselves. Like we are, right? And so, 
like it felt really good. But I think for me, it was like a lesson, like, okay, I have this ambition to like, to make work and um, just kind of put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) More baby carrots. Um, I think for me, it was just like, okay, like keep, keep those goals coming, you know, like, for me, it was like validation. Okay, well, this was a goal. Like, cross it off. What's next? What are we doing? Keep it moving forward, you know? <laughs> and I saw that you were also on a huge billboard. So that was the Main Street Marquee. So it's funny because those two things happened at the same time. Um, the New American Paintings cover and the Main Street Marquee, which was through Wine Garden Art Group here. But they were Houston. not connected. They are not connected. So it was part of your um, whole momentum of like really just submitting. I was applying, sim- applying, wow, applying. applying. Yeah, submitting. submitting. Um, Although it, it, in, in Spanish, there's applying, aplicate, literally means to kind of activate yourself, to like plug yourself in, which is really interesting. Te aplicaste. So you, you got very plugged in. I love it. Which is so key. I love how the translations are almost nicer oh well English, you know like you, you know how to say wife <laughs> that's my favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> handcuff <laughs> i'm gonna be doing the spanish group translate. oh i was thinking of like ganas you know yeah like, yeah desire like, this discumption or fire in the belly right um yeah i think so so for me, the mainstream marquee was this, again, surreal, but like that one felt really good because I could see it and I worked downtown and I would like walk there sometimes because it was like on my way and it was tangible, you know, like physically I was like there with it and I'm experiencing it. And actually, I think for me, that was, that was bigger because I connected with so many people and I met so many people and in what capacity? Like people walking down the street or people reaching out to you? People who found me or would tag me on Instagram, like walking by. Um, people that I met through it who like found me because they had seen it or recognized my work later, uh, maybe at a show or something, you know. And then the work kind of had similar look, you know, they could recognize the work and then started talking to me from that but even people from overseas that that found me through that and like the friendships that I've made from that I think it's surreal and it's beautiful it's really cool I mean there's something also very democratic about it right it's a billboard people in the streets people don't have to be initiated to like paintings to stumble into a cover right it's like I'm walking on the street and there you are um Congratulations. That, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the connection is that everyday people, it, it doesn't have to be like, oh, that's art, right? We are surrounded by images and colors and advertisements every day. And people put thought into those, like like a painting or, you know, it's a different media. Um, and so there was so much joy watching people interact with it or like the the train was there the light rail was right there so there was just so much foot traffic and 
people being able to connect with it without having to be like in a gallery or a museum or searching for stuff online. It's, it's an image out in the open, like a mural, you know? I love, I love that. I like love making that. it accessible to people. Yeah. Can it you... doesn't have to be like highbrow or this is what I was thinking about. It's, it's an image and they then react to it if they want, you know, like you're not there to describe your work or support your work. So whatever their impressions are, like that's what it is, you know? And I also really like that. Like the work has to speak for itself. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Now you spoke about giving yourself that prompt to be more ambitious. What are some of the things on your list that are part of your ambitious plan? Because I think um, it takes it takes a lot of guts, right? To first to admit that you're ambitious, especially for a person of color, a Latina, a woman. For some reason, you know, actually going back to Spanish, um, it's, it has a very negative connotation in Spanish. In English, it's like, yeah, you're ambitious, good for you. But in Spanish, it's like a like, it almost sounds like a like arrogant or no, it's actually uh, a fault, kind of like a, a really bad habit or something. It, it's it's a very bizarre ambition. Um, but yeah, how how did what what's on your radar? Um, I think for me it. How do I say it? It's a continuation of submitting. It's a continuation of, like, these are ongoing goals to keep making and being productive. Um, I've started experimenting with some different work that I hadn't tried before, like video projections on in installation form. Cool. So that's something new for me. Murals are new for me. So I think for me, like, essentially the goal is growth and to not be afraid of materials or new projects, endeavors and like diving in. I think this is a strange time because we're, we're finding ourselves having to re reevaluate and rethink how we do things, right? Like galleries, most of them aren't closed or they're by appointment only. Um, and so that makes viewing work and interacting with the public in that way challenging. Like I have a solo show that opened up right as everything started closing down, right? So I killed myself over this body of work. And it's like, oh, nobody's going to see it, you know? Or I also have some other stuff, uh, an installation up right now. And the same thing. So I'm not alone. Like all these artists all over have yeah. been working and working and working, right? And so I think that I take comfort in knowing that, okay, we're in this together and really like it brings the power to like the visual image through like social media and our connections and like you found me you know like we found each other yeah. and i think that that's that's amazing that we're not limited just to this like physical capacity and this physical capacity to go into a space it's nice but okay where do we go from here so where do we go from here? What, what, what do you think will be the biggest thing that changes in your practice moving forward? Um, I really would like to try, like, more... Well, I have, like, my own... Like, okay, I really want to try ceramics again. I feel like when I was working with clay, it was right before I moved here, and it, something clicked. Mm. It felt 
good. Um, I want to try that, and I want to try like yeah, uh, I want I want to try like projections, more like video projections, and seeing how that that works like onto materials. Like right now, I'm projecting onto silver fringe, like tinsel. Um, that sounds magical. I'm rambling. Is I'm it? Rambling. No, I love. That's why I'm here. Ramble away. <laughs> yeah. Does that look right. cool? Does that sounds amazing? Um. Yeah. So my work, the solo show that's up right now, I did a really big video. Um, there are three projectors with paintings that I projected onto silver fringe. I made a fringe enclosure. So I have stuff up at Project Row Houses here in Houston as well, and I made a smaller fringe box that was really dense and projected another painting onto it so for me it was bringing the viewer into this like it's sort of like interacting with the work in a different way you become part of the work and funny enough I was doing an artist talk and I happened to walk in front of the screen and it was a painting of the flowers and it was projected on me and I was just in my work in a different way that oh, I hadn't cool. been before yeah, and I'm getting chills kind of talking about it because it was just such a like an experience for me, right? Um, so I think I want to experience that, but or or make that available to others. But that would be so again, important. We're, we're in this weird like we're in strange times. We're in strange so. times, and yeah, I think it's so important to show up. And, and it sounds like that's a really amazing way to show up in your own work, like physically show up and put your face in your work and your body, right? Um, mm. The work of Ana Mendieta came to mind. Are you familiar with her work? I love her. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, that flashed when you were saying that. Yeah. Um, that's really important. And you're, you're right. She was in the work in lots of different ways. Um, Fun. Yeah. I just read this book about her. No way. From the 70s, yeah. During quarantine, um, where is it? It's on my bookshelf here. Naked by the window. Oh, wow. What was your takeaway? It was interesting. Um, there were things that I didn't know about her. I think I learned more about her and her early life. When I was in art school, I went to go see the show of hers. I think it was in Iowa. And I had this, like, connection with her work. That was my first introduction with it, right? Like, another brown Latina artist. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, someone else, you know? Yeah, like I, I felt connected. I saw myself in her. Um, but, yeah, the book was good. Hmm. I've been reading a lot during... Oh, man, lucky you. And watching too many, like, Netflix and... Eating and cooking. Nice. Oh, you're, Keeping yourselves busy, cleaning. <laughs> you're living the life. It sounds. Working from home too. What are you in education still? No. So about a year and a half ago, I switched to corporate America. So that's the other thing. I know. Um, Good for you. So I. We got to infiltrate. Really? Well, we got to infiltrate. It's this is my thing. You know. Yes, they have all the power and. Yes, they're going to destroy the world, but the only way to counterbalance that is to be on the inside so you know what's happening and you can tell others and you can hold the door for other people uh, because it's going to happen either way. And that gives you money you know, to buy other people's art. <laughs> it, it is 
strange. And I swore to myself that I would never do it because I was a librarian after art school. Like I was working with books and I was doing art programming for youth and teens. Right. Oh my God. That's so and families. cool. But it also, because I grew up in that, I came from a single mother and we use libraries for everything, literally so many resources and libraries have changed over time to become these like really prolific community centers wow. and advocates for the community. Right. So it's not just about books. It's about like helping people with immigration status, you know, like paperwork and applying for jobs and helping with homework and giving people a, a place to come and, and learn or give them opportunities, you know? So I felt very connected with that and I was so passionate about it. And then about a year and a half ago, I, I think I did that for 10 years. Wow. It, it, it's almost like social work. In it, a way, no, it absolutely is. It, it, it kind of takes its toll on you. So I was ready for a change and I found myself in this position and it's super challenging. Um, but I also get to travel which is pretty cool. Um, so, are you a corporate librarian? No, that would have been cool. <laughs> no, not as cool as you would think. It it's stuffy. Because at first I thought that I wanted to work in art libraries. I but I before I moved from Kansas City, Missouri, I was working in the special collections, and that was like a dream. Like old books, old magazines. Wow. Research, I loved that. Yeah. But, you know, like, we can't be stagnant. Or I don't want to be stagnant. Like, I want to okay. keep growing and, and experiencing. So this is where I am now. And it's good. It's challenging. It is different. And I think that is another reason why I am, like, or try to be productive. Because there's this, like, one side of my life that is, like, very conservative. I'm not conservative, but like the work, right? And the establishment. So I feel like that energy like has to go somewhere. Well, well, there's Bernini again, isn't it? There's that tension that we were talking about earlier. Can you, can I lay on your couch? Can we do this? I'm telling you, yeah. Like uh, once a week for an hour. <laughs> I am a coach, but about that later. But I'm also a cheerleader. No, but isn't that, isn't that funny? That duality that, that does create balance. You know, that's amazing. I didn't think about it in that sense, but yeah. I. And you probably have health insurance, which you probably did before. But I mean, it still puts you in the minority of the it world. It's challenging. It's challenging, and I feel like okay, I'm I'm experiencing different things, or or trying to see if this fits, yeah, and and going with with that. But listen, it sounds like you know, it sounds like you have, yeah. If we support ourselves, and that allows us to to sort of seek creative endeavors comfortably, or or how do I say that? That I think a lot of artists have jobs to support themselves so that they can like sustain their practice. That's what I'm trying to say. All artists have jobs to sustain their practice. I mean, I'm a therapist. No, I'm not a therapist. But you know, yeah. You're going to be my therapist. You are hired forever for eternity. Hello. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have my pen ready to take notes. But yeah, no, it's insane. I am so excited to 
hear what you're gonna do next and um, I won't take any more of your precious time with your dogs because I know they want your attention. Um, They've eaten so many baby carrots. <laughs> but I think I just heard her say, I'm sorry I was barking so much. <laughs> I really hate you for these damn carrots. No, um, <laughs> thank you for connecting with me. I'm so excited to, to connect with you and listen to how good it is. Like really, you know, I think, that, Ooh, that, I think that's amazing. Um, and we'll be in touch. I'll be rooting for you here all the way in Brooklyn. Okay, so I'll contact you with my next therapy appointment. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Want to share your thoughts on the conversation? Reach out on Instagram at StuConPodcast or visit the website studioconfessions.com. Follow me and check out my work at Art Engineer. Please leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It goes a long way. Thanks for listening. If you heard anything that moved you, please share it. You are the spark that can ignite a thousand flames. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer, sharing with you what moves me.